As we've already heard in the prayer, I am not the one preaching this morning, um, but I did want to introduce our speaker as well as explain a little bit of what we're going to be doing this morning. For uh, those of you who didn't know, our speaker this morning is Dan Ransom. Uh, Dan, along with his wife uh, Liz and their six kids, they serve as missionaries, our missionaries, over in Italy. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of getting to know Dan better. Uh, the main way that we've gotten to know each other is through Zoom calls or video calls, and we try. We're not always very consistent with it, but we try to do that about once a month, and we'll spend an hour, a couple hours just talking about life, talking about our families, our kids, um, just different things that we might be going through. But most of the time, what we're talking about is the church. And one of the things I most appreciate about Dan is his love and passion for the body of Christ. Uh, what Dan does right now in Italy, his main role is to serve as a pastor of a local body. And so it's been just wonderful to talk about different things, to bounce ideas back and forth, and just to see his passion in doing that. Uh, they are back right now on furlough. If that's a word that you're not familiar with, uh, every once in a while, what a lot of missionaries do is they spend several years on the field, which is home. When, when we often, a lot of times people say, oh, welcome home. This isn't home. Italy is home. Uh, for me, Brazil was home. But they come back, and the reason they come back is to give a report to all the churches, all the individuals who support them, who uh, allow them, give them the financial means to be over where they are serving. One of the big misconceptions about furloughs, though, is that it's a really, it's a year-long vacation. Back in the day, the normal pattern was four years on the field, one year back. That is not the case. It is not a vacation. Um, right now, the ransoms have been back for this summer. They're actually heading back just uh, this next week. Um, but it's a long, hard trip. They have, how many ch supporting churches do you guys have? 26 churches that they, they try to visit. Not, they didn't do all of those this trip, but they did a large amount of those very quickly. And so Dan, every weekend, was traveling to a different church to share with them. Um, a lot of the weekdays, he was going to do prayer meetings or go to different things to give a, an account. And that's a lot. And it's tiring. But we want to support them. We want to pray for them in that. But one of the reasons why this happens, and, and we greatly appreciate this effort, is because of what we see in Acts 21. In Acts 21, verses uh, 17 through 20, Paul is in Jerusalem, and this is what it says. When we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. That's, that's what we're going to be doing this morning. Um, a large portion of Dan's sharing here is going to be different from a, a normal Sundays where we're just going verse by verse through, through uh, different passages. Dan is going to be sharing from a passage, but much of what he's going to be doing is giving a report to the church, as Paul did, to say this is what God is doing. And the result that we're supposed to have is what it says at the end where it says, 
And when they heard it, they glorified God. So as we hear the different things, and we're going to hear of different trials, uh, tribulations that really fit well with what we've been going through in John, we're going to hear some of those things, but what we're going to see, the common thread, is God's faithfulness through those things. So Dan, won't you come up and share with us a report as well as God's word? It's fine with me if you just want to keep going. You're doing a great job. Good morning. It's really great to be back, and I'm guessing that there are some of you here this morning that have no clue who, who I am, who we are, apart from what Pastor Stephen uh, just shared. So I'm going to be uh, sharing with you a little bit, in a little bit, a little bit about myself, but it is true that we consider Italy home now, that's where we live, uh, but when we come back to the States, for me, uh, this is home, this is, where, this is where I grew up, so in 1990, when I was going into seventh grade, uh, my dad, my parents moved our family from uh, the great state of Vermont uh, to here. In Vermont, we had been a part of a church, really a church plant that was being planted by John Ritchie's uh, grandfather. And then we moved here and we got to know uh, John Ritchie's dad. His parents were actually my first Sunday school teachers here. And really, uh, when we moved here, uh, the auditorium was a little shorter at that time. Uh, the sound system was not the, the, big, uh, the big penalty box that it is now, but it was a little small stand right on the, uh, to my right, to your left, right as you came in. And that's, when I saw that, I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get my hands on that. And I'm, I'm so grateful that at the time, there was a, a man who was studying in seminary and was a part of this church that was not afraid of a junior hire that wanted to touch the, touch the soundboard. And not only did he let me get involved, but he, he taught me a lot and, and also taught me uh, some things about life. But I'm forever grateful for that. So most of my days here at Summit from 7, yep, I just showed it. I called it Summit. Um, so sometimes I'll say Summit, sometimes I'll say BBC, sometimes I'll refer to the, the 13 colonies. You know, I'm still... <laughs> So forgive me for that, for that slip. But uh, many of my, most of my days here uh, in, this, in this room uh, were spent back in the, uh, in the sound booth. And, and that led to me ending up in Italy. When I was real young, I had, at a week of camp, I had made, I had raised my hand and saying I wanted to be a missionary. I thought the Lord wanted to me to be a missionary. That was based almost completely on the fact that the speaker there that week was a, was a missionary and I knew almost nothing about what it meant to be a missionary. But I sat there that week, I think I was in one of the front rows, and I was just absolutely spellbound by the speaker. I thought he was the coolest thing. Now, obviously, my standards for what was cool, what is cool, were a little bit different. But I was just overwhelmed by this guy. So at the end of the week, they said, you know, any of you think God would like you to be a missionary? And I raised my hand. So I'm like eight years of age at this point. My parents get a letter from the camp <coughs> saying, Daniel had a great week of camp. We were happy to have him. And during the week of camp, he indicated that he thinks God would like him to be a missionary. So my parents, I'm the firstborn. I'm sure they rejoiced when they received that letter and they thought, they thought man, we're, we're doing something right. You know, our firstborn wants to be a missionary. Well, as I got older and began to understand what it meant to be a missionary, I was like, eh, I don't think so. Um, and having been uh, so involved with the sound system, I really wanted to go into broadcasting. So when I'm you know, like 10th, 11th grade, I'm, I'm letting my parents know that 
I'm not headed to the mission field, but I would like to go into broadcasting. And my, my dad uh, came back. I'm, I'm sure there was some level of disappointment in my, in my parents, although they didn't make a big deal about it. But my dad came back to me and said, what would you think about the possibility of spending a semester abroad uh, between high school and college, getting some experience in broadcasting? And we could do that in Italy. You could do that in Italy. And at the time, this church supported a missionary uh, couple in Italy that was using radio and TV as a couple of their main outreaches. So I was like, well, of course, I would love to do that. So in 1996, I finished high school. And what initially started as an idea of a semester abroad, then it became a year abroad. You know, you're buying a plane ticket. Why go for just three months? Uh, so it became a year abroad, and I was actually able to stretch that semester slash year abroad into six years between high school and college. I was not in any hurry to get back and go to college, and just spent six years working at this radio station, a missionary radio station uh, in central Italy, and, and there I met my wife, got to know her, uh, friendship grew, and as we were uh, just spending time talking, we began to uh, consider and, and see the possibility of of, of coming back to Italy together and serving the Lord there. And obviously, the Lord was working in my, in my, uh, in my heart and in my mind. He was using uh, really some conversations, conversations, especially with my father, who I'm, I'm immensely grateful for. Uh, my dad is, is many, some of you know him. He, he's a man that loves the Lord, a man of integrity, and the Lord just greatly used him to help me rethink, think through a lot of, a lot of my conclusions along the way, a lot of my goals and, and uh, aspirations. But I didn't want to go into ministry. Uh, if I went into ministry, I didn't want to be a missionary. And if I ended up being a missionary, I definitely didn't want to go out and raise support. Uh, so obviously you can see how that worked out for me. Um, but the Lord did uh, use, uh, again, uh, people, especially my dad along the way, to, to help me re rethink, think through things. And I ended up uh, in Italy uh, as a missionary, working alongside my, my father-in-law, my in-laws, my brother-in-law, and there with my wife. We've been there since 2010. Uh, as a family, she grew up there on the field. She was born in, and grew up there, so she truly considers Italy uh, her home. And over the years, the Lord has blessed us uh, with six children who I will introduce to you a little bit later. We live in central Italy, so we're about two hours north of Rome, about an hour and a half uh, from Florence. We're one of the few uh, regions of Italy that has no coastline. Uh, so most, of, most Italians live uh, not more than one hour. Actually, anywhere in Italy, I've heard it said, you're not any more than an hour away from the, from the sea. Uh, so, but we're, we're landlocked, and that's, you get an idea of, of where we live. This morning, as, as Stephen mentioned, uh, we're on the tail end of three months uh, back here in the States. We've just uh, clocked uh, uh, over 11,000 miles traveling this summer. It's been a very, uh, very sanctifying experience. And tonight, I will be reporting to one last church, and if my, if my numbers are right, uh, that'll be church number 19 for the, for the summer. Uh, we, we realize that it'll be a few, more, a few more years before we're able to get back, so I've been trying to get to as many churches as possible this summer. Just giving a recap of what I plan to share with you this morning, what the Lord has been doing, um, not only in us and, and, and uh, in the ministry, but uh, some lessons he's been teaching uh, through some not easy 
not easy circumstances, especially starting in 2020. And I know I'm aware that uh, 2020 for this church as well was, was not an easy year. And probably since then there have been some, some uneasy moments, unexpected uh, moments of, of adversity. So I'm aware of that. I'm here this morning to share what we were living several thousand miles away and our joy our comfort, our encouragement is what's already been mentioned this morning in Romans, Romans 8, and I'll share with you just some thoughts about that a little bit, a little bit later. So what, we're, what my plan to do this morning is just rewind a little bit to the start of, of 2020, if you can go back there uh, in your minds. We went into 2020 uh, aware of the fact that it was going to be a significant year. Uh, we didn't know how significant, uh, but we knew there would be uh, it would be a significant year because my in-laws, Fred and Rachel Whitman, and some of you know even them, they've been uh, on the field in Italy since the early 70s. Uh, that's the 1970s. And they've been, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> they've been serving as church planners there. And as happens for all of us, uh, every day we get a little bit older and they were moving towards uh, the age of retirement. And our team, along with our mission, had put into place a plan for their retirement, and the first, the first phase of that was going to be in the, in the start of 2020. My father-in-law would be stepping down as the lead pastor of our church, and myself and my brother-in-law, Jonathan, we would be uh, learning and, and taking over the leadership of the, of the church as two pastors serving uh, alongside each other. So Fred, in, in early 2020, was going to step down, and then he and Rachel were going to come back for their last furlough, their last official visit to all of their supporting churches. So we go into 2020 knowing, okay, it's going to be a year of, of, a, of a leadership transition. We also knew that we, um, we had a family project. We had just purchased a home. We had outgrown uh, the home that we were living in, the house we were living in. Most uh, Italian families have less than two kids. Uh, so we're just a, a little bit out of the norm and, and things were getting a little tight in our home. So we had, we had started looking. We'd actually looked for anything else that we could rent. Um, life as a missionary on the field, you're, you're never sure what the, what the future will hold and you wanna be aware of that as you, as you go through major purchases like a, like a house. But we were unable to find something to rent and the Lord led us to a house to purchase and he provided uh, a loan through a bank, which not a lot of American missionaries are, it's easy for them to get a loan. Uh, so we saw the Lord's hand in that. Now we don't own this whole building. I don't want you to think, man, you guys are rolling in the dough. Um, we own the second floor uh, of this building. Most, most Italians live in some type of apartment building. So we were on the second floor of this building. So going into 2020, on the one hand, we got this leadership transition. We know it's going to be a, a year of, 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 um, of this, this leadership transition in the church. All the meanwhile, fixing up a home that needs to be renovated and then, Lord willing, uh, moving into it. And I, I still remember the first time I heard the word coronavirus on the news. It's not the first time. Actually, it happens fairly, fairly often that we hear about things on the news happening in the world, even just catastrophic things, you know, uh, catastrophic events, but also viruses that, that pop up. And, and usually what you can think and what you can say to yourself is, okay, there's another virus in the world. It will probably never make it to where we live. It, this will probably not affect me at all. That was my first reaction. Then you start hearing about it a little bit more frequently, almost too frequently. And then you realize I was wrong, 
uh, COVID made its way to Italy. And, and by mid-March, uh, mid to late March, uh, the Italian government was pretty, they were pretty aggressive in how they responded to, to COVID. So by mid to late March, everything shut down. Uh, we are in lockdown, uh, so you are supposed to stay in your house unless you could say you are leaving for uh, an, a reason of necessity, like buying groceries. Things got to the point where uh, you could go to the hardware store to buy a light bulb, because you need a light bulb in your house, but you were not supposed to go to the hardware store to buy a can of paint and a paintbrush to paint your house while you're locked in your house. So that's kind of how they were approaching it. It was just a little, a little on the... On the very interesting side, uh, I would say. So we are, we're just several weeks into this leadership transition, uh, you know, this leadership transition of my father-in-law having left, and now we're like, okay, uh, what, is, what is church supposed to look like when we're in lockdown? Uh, both for some, some semblance of, of coming together, you know, doing that virtually, uh, member care, uh, just, just a, whole, a whole slew of questions. So we, we are dealing with that dynamic, and then uh, right alongside that, right at the same time, it was actually the first Sunday morning that we had started our live stream. So I'm, I, my, my brother-in-law, and we had a, and a, a young Italian uh, intern that year, so the three of us meet at the church building to do our first live stream. Uh, I think it was March, it was probably the third, second or third Sunday in March. That morning, my wife lets me know that uh, we are expecting our sixth child. So I'm going to our church building, you know, driving on empty roads, which was surreal, going to uh, our empty church building to preach in front of a camera in an empty auditorium for the first time ever in my life. And it also in the back of my mind thinking, okay, uh, we've got number six on the way. So that was an interesting morning. Uh, it would be over the coming months that we would uh, f- start to realize and then have confirmed that this was just not any pregnancy, but my wife was starting to experience some complications. Uh, Basically, she was having an excess of amniotic fluid, uh, so she ended up in the hospital twice to have an amount of that amniotic fluid uh, removed. The first time they removed it, they asked us if we wanted to have the fluid tested to see if there were any any other, uh, primarily actually uh, the possibility of heart defect, defects uh, in the child, in our son, or the possibility of him having Down syndrome. We've never done those tests. Uh, we've never really seen a reason why, uh, a reason to do it. But in, the, in that situation, knowing that there were already uh, complications, we thought, hey, you're removing the fluid anyways, uh, won't, won't hurt to get it tested. And the more information we can have, uh, the better. Uh, so they test it. Uh, it was interesting, the doctor who was, who was on call that day, uh, he's, for all we know, he's, he's a great doctor. We really, he, he's very, just handles things well, or he's very knowledgeable, but his communication is kind of lacking. Um, and also the fact that everybody's wearing masks at this point. So he comes to my wife's room and, and sits down on the bed and kind of, I think he put his, his hand on her, her knee or on her leg and said, uh, your son's gonna be very special and you'll, you'll love him very much. And she said, excuse me? Like she, was, she wasn't exactly sure, she kind of had an idea of where he was heading. And it just, it just felt just like he was feeling this immense awkwardness at needing to tell uh, my wife that, that, he, that Luke, our son, uh, did indeed test uh, positive for, for uh, Down syndrome. 
So it was just an interesting moment, but we find that out uh, late in the summer. Uh, the second time that they removed the amniotic fluid from my wife, uh, she starts to go into labor. We're heading into the weekend. Doctors say, hey, better not to have this happen on a Sunday when it's just kind of, you know, not a lot of uh, doctors and staff uh, on, on call. Let's have him born by C-section. Uh, so Saturday, September 26, uh, Luke was born by C-section right around lunchtime. And then Sunday morning, uh, they, they call, they call, actually they let my wife know and she called me and I went to the hospital. They were going to operate on him. He had an interruption in his digestive tract, uh, his intestinal tract, and so they were gonna operate on, on him for that. He's uh, less than 24 hours old, so they call, they call us, we get to meet with the doctors and the anesthesiology team, and they give us all their information, what they're intending to do, and, and obviously they're saying there's no guarantees, uh, hopefully, but you know, we can't guarantee anything, here are the risks. And when they got done sharing everything, I asked if I could pray with them, and it was just, it was, it was a neat, neat opportunity there Sunday morning. Um, I was actually, I think I was dressed for church because my intent was I was planning to go to church with all, the, all our other kids. So I'm, I'm there sitting there and say, hey, can I, can I pray for you guys? And, and I, I prayed for them as they would be uh, going into the surgery. I asked the Lord to, to spare uh, the life of our son. Uh, but at the same time, I was able to recognize in that prayer that just God's sovereignty um, over everything. And that if he chose not to spare our son, that that was good and that was wise and that we would uh, humbly accept that and rejoice uh, in that. So that was a, that was a neat opportunity to, to be able to have that type of testimony uh, with the doctor and, um, and, the, and the medical team there. And uh, the Lord did spare our son. It was a successful surgery. He was in the, the NICU for about two months. He had been born two months premature, uh, just about two months premature, and he spent about two months in the NICU. Um, and uh, at the same time, we were finishing up uh, the work on our house, and I'm not a handyman, so everything was, you know, kind of delegating, finding people to do the work, et cetera. And mid-November, uh, we move into our house. End of November, Luke comes home. Then you have Thanksgiving and then Christmas, and that was, that was our 2020. Uh, most of it uh, unexpected. And as we, as I uh, thought through just this very unexpected year. And, 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 and obviously it didn't end on December 31st, 2020. It spilled way over into 2021. So really the, the first half of, of 2021, and I'm, for, I'm forever grateful. I, I think I will be forever. I'm deeply grateful to my brother, Pastor Stephen, who uh, we, had, we had been intending to come back to the States in 2021 to do a furlough. I don't know what we were thinking. Uh, but Stephen kind of pushed back on that and said, hey, have you guys considered the, the thought of the possibility of doing, um, taking a sabbatical, a time of, just a time to get away? And my response was, man, that sounds great. That does sound like a good idea. So with, with his encouragement and with the church's help, uh, you guys were very gracious, and I'm, I want to say thank you to, that, uh, to you for that as well. But in um, summer of 2021, we came back and just had a time uh, to get away as a family. And that was, that was a blessing. That was, that was an encouragement, so thank you. Um, but as I, I'd like to say as I step back and, and, and think about these things, but you will know, and, and again, I know that I'm speaking to a room 
uh, full of people that when you think of your 2020 and your 2021, I imagine that each of you could think of challenges uh, that we don't have time to go around the room this morning and share. But you will also recognize that sometimes we don't have the luxury per se of stepping back and <laughs> and looking at things because we're right in the thick. Ooh, is that me? We're right in the. Th- I want to say the word thick. Okay, we're right in the thick, the thick of it. And you know, I, I've I've said to people, 2020 and 2021 for us just felt like survival mode. Uh, every day, you you know, you're, you get out of bed, say, you're more aware of the fact that it's only by the grace of God. It's it's always only by the grace of God that we make it through our day. I think, or at least for me, I think I tend to be a lot less aware of that on normal days or good days. It's like, I got this. I got it today. But when, you know, when those situations pile up and, and, and um, you really don't know how you're going to make it through the day, uh, you're just a lot more aware uh, of the grace of God. And, and Romans 8 has already been mentioned. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. If you want to open them to Romans chapter 8. And it's a verse that we've already read or has already been read. Uh, Becca read it for us this morning. But it's Romans 8, 28. And someone once said, I believe correctly, that we should never read or quote Romans 8, 28 with, without Romans 8, 29. Um, Romans 8, 28 talks about what we know. And we, we need to oftentimes be reminded of what we know of, of truth in God's word. And you know, it's so important what we're doing with our minds. You know, what, what we do with our minds, in a sense, it's not visible to anybody in the moment. Now, over the long haul, it will become apparent how we are using our minds. But God's word uh, reminds us that it's very important what we're doing with our minds. Romans 12, um, in light of all of the truth of Romans 1 to 11, talks about uh, living as, as sacrifices and being transformed by the renewing of our mind, the way we, the way we think. But Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And then verse 29 reminds us that because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So when we're, when we're talking about God causing everything to work together for my, for my good, as someone once said, it's, it's an ultimate good. It's not necessarily what the world would say, you know, it was really good that I had this adverse circumstance because it's, it's not easy, it's difficult. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like we would say, man, it was really good that this car accident happened today. But we can know, we need to know, Romans eight twenty eight that everything, every every component, every detail of our lives. You know, again, we even tend to think of the, at least I do. I don't want to include you in my own culpability here, but it's easy to think of the big things, you know, like the, the um, you know, it was a year of transition, fixing up a house, and then COVID, and then, you know, pregnancy, complications, surgery. But God's also in the details. He's, ma- he's making everything work together for our good. So the, the moments of tension with a spouse, that is revealing to you your own heart, uh, moments when your kids don't always accept with a grateful heart everything you have to tell them, and they say, no, I don't wanna go to bed. 
God's using that for your good. It's, it's everything. It's the traffic you find on your way to, on your, on your way to work and makes you, makes you late. God's using everything. He's working in every detail for our good, to make us more like Christ. That is, that is just an incredible comfort, uh, reassurance, encouragement. We don't have to, we should not, as children of God, live with this feeling of anxiety of, oh man, what's gonna happen today? What, what's, what's around the corner? You know, I, I, I have thought, if, if it, and this is not how God works, but if it had been revealed to me on January 1st, 2020, hey, here's a rundown of your year. You know, just, and, and, and I hear a couple of you thinking along with me on that. that. That would be scary. That would cause anxiety. But God in his providence and in his sovereignty and his goodness knows that we don't need to know that. What we do need to know, the only thing we need to know is that the one true God the creator, the sustainer of this universe, the one that's keeping you alive right now. I, I turned 44 this summer, so that's 44 years of every morning I wake up, my heart's beating, my lungs are functioning, my brain is at some level of functionality, and I can start to think, you know, that's just normal, and that's me, you know? I, I take care of myself, I'm, uh, you know, I'm strong, I've got energy, no, that's, that's God keeping you alive by his power, keeping you alive by, by his will, for his, for his purpose. And he saved us for his glory. And his glory is our good, but we're not at the center of things. In fact, one, uh, one area that God just very graciously has, has been working on me and continues to do so, again, sometimes in big moments when God kind of on a platter just places my arrogance right in front of me, but other times it's, it's in little ways that he reminds me, you know, Daniel, you still have a, have a way of thinking about yourself that, that is very arrogant. You know, when I, when I moved to Italy, I was, I was pretty convinced that Italy was getting probably the best missionary, well, maybe not the best, but one of the best missionaries they'd ever had, and you know, my team, my team was just so blessed to have me come and join them. And my wife is just incredibly blessed to have an incredibly loving, patient, thoughtful husband. And my kids are incredibly blessed to have just an incredibly good dad, you know? And when we jump back to Romans 12, so Romans 12, if you're familiar with Romans 12, Paul has just finished 11 pretty significant, dense chapters of teaching doctrine. And Romans 12 is, okay, how should we live in light of all of this truth? And Paul tells us that we need to be being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You wanna know the first area of thinking that he goes after? Well, it's only a couple pages over, so if you still have your Bibles open. Just a couple pages to your right, Romans 12. So you have verse one, it's the therefore, you know, in light of Romans 1 to 11, uh, talking about calling us to by the um, by the mercies of God to present our bodies as a as a living sacrifice, holy. It's our spiritual service of worship. Verse two: not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by again by the renewing of our mind. Verse three: the first area of thinking that Paul addresses. 
For through the grace given to me, I say to each one among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. That's me. That, that's, an, that's an area. I, there was a time, I think it was 2018, 2019, that the Lord just threw a series of events over about a week and a half, two weeks, just showed me my, my arrogance. And when I tell people that, they're like, you? Because I'm, 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 very, I'm pretty good at hiding it at, at, at not putting it out on display. But if you, could, if you could hear my thoughts, I think it was Spurgeon that once said when someone accused him of something and he said, well, I can guarantee you I'm a lot worse than you, than you could even imagine. That's, that's my way of thinking. It's my natural way of thinking. It's the heart I was born with. You know, I'm self-seeking. I'm, I'm self-promoting. And by God's grace, need to be changing that. And God's using everything, Romans 8.28, for my good, making me more like Christ, helping me become like Christ, helping me become more humble, to grow in humility and be, be less, less arrogant. Well, one, of the, one of the other benefits of, of everything that happened in 2020 and 2021 is, I imagine, happened here for a time, our church activities just kind of slammed to a, came to a sudden stop and that really granted me and Jonathan kind of time and, and kind of space, if you will, to say, okay, let's, let's figure out what the next steps in this ministry are. You know, our dad, his, his dad, my father-in-law, had planted this church, and now it's, it's, it's our job to lead it uh, ultimately to autonomy, ultimately to the point where it's no longer dependent on missionaries, on mission funding. And with COVID, even though... I wouldn't have said, "Hey, uh, this is this is how I would do it if I was in charge." Uh, let's 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 uh, plan a, a pandemic. But it did have uh, the benefit of being able to kind of talk through things about how we how we um, program and 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 even just ministry philosophy as 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 pastors of a church. This is our this is our auditorium. Uh, you may see on a Sunday morning. You may see if you're if you're able to. Uh, people have masks on. We've been enjoying uh, masks since uh, start of COVID up until May first of this year. May first was when the government said, "Okay, you can take off masks in churches, supermarkets." Um, they, kids still wore them through the end of the school year, and we're hoping that when school starts back up, uh, they will not need to be to be wearing masks. Uh, that's my brother-in-law leading uh, the worship. Uh, you see him on the platform. His wife is playing the piano. One of the areas of, of the ministry that we talked about was bringing in new members. How do, what's that process look like? Can we, can we work to make that better? And, and right before we left to come back here in the month of May, I had the privilege uh, of baptizing uh, one new member. Then we had two other um, individuals join, so three new members. And the, the individual you see here in the picture, her name is Lorena. She actually contacted our ministry in the 90s. Uh, she was watching TV and saw my father-in-law on TV and called the phone number. We always put our contact information. And Fred showed up a couple days later and brought her a Bible. So she attended our church for a while and then stopped attending. She came back in the 2000s again, attended for a while and then stopped. And then I believe it was during COVID that she, she came to Christ and placed her faith uh, in Christ and asked if she could join the church officially and I had the privilege of baptizing her. And one of the, for me, one of the very encouraging things was 
as we were meeting with her, we meet with, with um, anybody that wants to become a member. We, we sit down, they, they fill out a form, and then we sit down and kind of interview them. And one of the things that she shared was that in coming to Christ, she had written a letter to her husband asking his forgiveness. Her husband's, her husband's an unbeliever. Asking his forgiveness because she recognized that she had not been living her marriage, her role as a wife, in a way that honored Christ. And she wanted to ask his forgiveness. I was so encouraged. You know, I, I think that's, that's the fruit of the Spirit working, you know, the Holy Spirit bringing conviction, specific conviction of sin. And to see her, her humility and her joy in, in, in asking her husband's forgiveness, it was, it was so encouraging. One of my other joys is, is serving in a ministry where part of my responsibilities overlap with my wife. And uh, she, she's, a, she's a gift from the Lord. And I, I'm showing this picture, and it really captures what kind of like everyday life has looked like for her uh, over the last year and a half. If I'm standing here telling you that 2020 and 2021 were unexpected for me, uh, I wasn't the one in the hospital uh, with complications. I wasn't the one giving birth for the first time uh, by a C-section and, and all the, the, the complications that go along with that. And she, as she came back home and then Luke came home, she's just done an incredible job of continuing uh, her um, really carrying on the responsibilities in the home as a wife and as a mother to five other kids and all the craziness that goes along with that. But also Luke especially, uh, he, he, uh, he has a lot of, uh, requires a lot of extra attention, whether it's uh, physical therapy, doctor's visits, uh, getting him back to the hospital, blood tests, and just working with him. Uh, he, you know, with the Down syndrome, he's just developmentally a lot slower, uh, and any health issue just takes a lot longer. So like this summer, he caught a cold, and uh, even though we had him in an urgent care and they, they gave him some steroids that didn't get, didn't get it done, and he ended up back in the hospital uh, with pneumonia, uh, that's just kind of, it's kind of a snapshot of, 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 of life uh, with with Luke and and my wife does all of that just with a with a great attitude and I'm I'm grateful for her, very grateful for her, and in this picture she's on some type of video call, uh, it could be she she one of her outreaches is she teaches English, uh, Italians take English in school but most often the English teacher is not someone who has spoken English her whole his or whole life, uh, so the kids don't really learn English and they want to learn English, they want to be able to be fluent in English, or as they would say, in American, because um, we don't really speak English if you talk to anyone from England. Uh, but so my wife, she teaches um, American English uh, as an outreach and there's just been a great request for that and sh that allows her the opportunity uh, in interacting with the students and with their, with their families even to, to share uh, why we're here or why we're there, why we're in Italy, and to share the truth of the gospel and just really leads to a lot of great conversations. She also leads a woman's Bible study and for most of this year has been on Zoom. Um, but she just, I'm thankful uh, for my wife. We are also able to lead the youth group together. We're doing that right now. There's not another couple in the church that uh, seems to be ready to do that, although we're hoping and, and need to be praying for that to bring in another couple. But... Um, 
we had been, we kind of found a good rhythm that worked for youth group uh, on Friday evenings and then COVID hit and, you know, our family, our needs changed a little bit. So we've been restarting it on, uh, we meet on Sunday afternoons. I don't know how well you can see the picture. You might be sitting there thinking, man, they look, that looks like an old youth group. Well, in Italy, it used to be, we've made some changes. A youth group used to be from uh, ninth grade up until if you ever, if slash when you ever got married. And Italians, not all of them get married, and they don't get married real young. So we had some, we had some geezers in the youth group, and we said, "Yeah, I don't know, I don't know how healthy this is." So we we cut it off at, at age 30 now. So <laughs> um, most of the people in the youth group are more like the college and career, and 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 with COVID, we've started a a new Sunday school class that takes the first two years uh, of Italian high school. So. The youth group now starts from 11th grade, uh, 11th, 12th, and 13th grade in Italy. Uh, we go six days a week and five years of high school. Um, something our kids don't necessarily love, uh, but so the youth group now goes from 11th grade up until till uh, age 30. We're praying, uh, hoping that there will soon be a couple that could come come alongside us uh, in that in that ministry. I shared with you, we have six kids, just want to introduce them to you uh, real quick. My oldest daughter's going to come up and sing a solo. No, uh, was that next week? That was next week. Okay. So Christina uh, is our oldest. Uh, she, was, she will be turning 15 uh, in the, the fall, and she'll be starting her second year of, of Italian high school. Elisa, our second born, who was born at Dunkin' Donuts in Scranton, because dad didn't get them to the hospital on time, and she came fast. But she's our Dunkin' Donuts daughter. Uh, she'll be going into her second year of middle school. And all of our kids do gymnastics, so I'm not going to say that for each one, but Elisa also uh, does, is learning piano and violin. And then Mark, our first son, he'll be going into fourth grade. And he, uh, along with gymnastics, he's also learning the classical guitar. So he, he kind of... Is he here? No, he's not. He kind of grudgingly uh, practices, and then when he's done his time, then he just loves to play church songs. So uh, we, we are encouraged with, by how much he loves uh, playing church songs on guitar. He even played um, Pastor Stevens this summer. I hope it's uh, still in good condition. Great, okay. Sara is uh, a number four. She'll be going into first grade, and then Anna, uh, our youngest daughter, will be doing her second year of preschool, and then there's Luke. Luke right now is sleeping in Pastor Stevens' office, hopefully. And you may see him afterwards. He, uh, overall, he's doing well. Again, life with, with all the, the complications of, of, of slowness and development. And he'll need at least one, probably two more surgeries. Uh, he was actually in surgery earlier this year in March. And we had just had COVID in the month of February. And during the surgery, his lungs started acting up. His, his oxygen levels uh, got real low. So they stopped the surgery and said, let's get this checked out before we go back to surgery. So we have had his lungs looked at, uh, and Lord willing, uh, sometime this fall, uh, he'll be going back in for surgery. But overall, he's doing well, and when he is doing well and he's not sick, uh, when he's sick, obviously, just like you and me, we're not the most cheerful people on the face of the earth, but when he is doing pretty well, he's just a load of joy. Uh, it just brings so many smiles uh, to, our, to our family. We're so grateful uh, that the Lord has chosen to... to and trust us with, with him and, um, and add that, that dynamic uh, to, our, to our family. This is a picture of our prayer card. I think most of you probably grabbed one when you, when you came in. 
Let me tell you why we print these. It's not because uh, I am so vain. I just love people walking around with pictures of our family. Um, we make these so it'd be a help to you as you pray for us if, if you intend to do that. And what we did is we added a QR code down at the bottom. Um, QR code, if you're familiar with that, you just scan it with your camera's phone. If you're not familiar with that, there's a web address right next to it that you can type out. Where that will bring you is to a page that we are planning to just keep, keep updating uh, with news and prayer requests, just short pieces of information. Not, uh, you won't find books uh, written there. Um, but our thinking was, you know, we send out, we send out prayer letters uh, by email. We have a Facebook group, and, but you might, you might not receive those, or you might, when you go to pray for us, you might not be, you know, might not be remembering, what do, what do I need to pray for them? Uh, you can just scan that and find what's going on in our lives and ministry, and hopefully that will be a help to you as you pray for us. I'll, I will leave you with three things you can pray for this morning. Uh, as we head back, we are flying out on Tuesday. So along with the trip, uh, please pray uh, for wisdom, for, especially for me, for my brother-in-law, Jonathan, as we really work to lead this church uh, to autonomy. And again, by aut- autonomy, what I mean, not saying, oh, we don't need the Holy Spirit, we don't need the Bible. Uh, what we're saying is uh, no longer dependent on missionaries and mission funding um, to keep going. So that's, that's where we're looking to lead the church. Now when you talk about leading a church to autonomy, like graduating a church. There are kind of a couple areas that you look at. One is that of finances, and then the other is that of leadership. And so when we're talking about the finances of our church in Italy, um, the church is doing pretty well. It's, it's moving in the right direction. It's at a good point, still has some growing to do, but they're moving in the right direction. So that's, um, it's very encouraging to see the area that we need to focus on is that of, of discipling the members, especially the men, the future leaders of the church. So that's what we would ask you to pray for, for growth and maturity, especially uh, the men of the church. And then lastly, uh, if you would pray for God's grace for us as parents as we're seeking to lead also our children to love uh, and follow Jesus and, and become uh, followers and worshipers of the Lord Jesus Christ. One last thing, and then I'll hand it back over to, to Pastor Stephen. We have a website, and again, we didn't create this because we just want to be famous. Uh, we've made it so hopefully it's a point of, of interaction that's enjoyable, but is also informational. Uh, so on the website, first of all, you'll find a couple Italian recipes. Uh, so if you have ever wanted to try out a real Italian plate of, of pasta, uh, you can go there and find all the ingredients and how to do that. I encourage that we put a couple of our favorite um, favorite dishes up there, lemon pasta. If you've never tried that, I would, uh, I would definitely encourage that. So we've got the recipes there. We also have uh, videos. We try and communicate fairly frequently through short videos, and we've put all of them, I believe all of them are online. You can also find the link to our Facebook group. Uh, more information about us, you can send us a note, sign up for our prayer letter. So it's at theransoms.it. .it, not .com, .it. You want to guess what .it stands for? Thank you. Thank you very much for your attention this morning. It has been really good to have not only this morning, but also to have a house here in the area. So I want to just publicly thank the pastors and those that were involved. I know several of you worked hard at getting the house ready, at furnishing it, 
uh, that was a huge encouragement, not only to have a, a place to come back to, but that the place was here in this area and, and it gave us opportunity to spend time with, with the church uh, at different points. We had, a, we had a cookout, are we calling that a cookout? We had a cookout. Uh, I've been able to spend time with the pastors and uh, some of you have, have interacted with my wife and some of our kids. We're so grateful uh, to be here this morning and to know that you're praying for us and supporting us as we head back. Uh, our contact information is on the prayer card. If you ever want to uh, reach out and drop us a line, we, we are very encouraged when, when people do get in contact. But thank you for your love for us, for your support of our ministry. And I just, I, I, I hope that this morning has encouraged you as you've been able, hopefully, to get to know us a little bit more and understand what the last couple years have, have looked like. I hope, as Pastor Stephen said, I hope that that has helped you, uh, give you reasons to praise God, and will also... Uh, Help us look forward to the next time that we'll be back uh, together, uh, Lord willing, here. But thank you. Thank you so much.